Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me, I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good, good. Good to, good to be with you. Well, welcome to Ordinary Time. Yeah, yeah. Easter is officially over. Yeah, yeah. Two days in now, Monday, Tuesday. Even though we had a saint today, so there was still wearing white, but for no yeah. time. So. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's one of those things that once like the fourth week of Easter hits, kind of like hey, the uh, it, it, it's hard to still like celebrate, think, think that you're in yeah. in yeah. the time of Easter. So maybe so maybe people are like, oh, okay, well, I feel like I've been in a couple weeks of ordinary time, but this is the beginning. This is the beginning. Yeah, and it's going to be hard to notice in the next two weeks because we have Corpus Christi coming up. Well, Trinity Sunday this weekend, and then Corpus Christi after that. So, we got all these kind of special days where you kind of ease into ordinary time. So, yeah, yeah, and then, uh, and then you know, next thing you know, it's gonna be Advent. And then it's gonna be Advent again. We'll start all over. <laughs> so, um, one, what, what do you know? What week of ordinary time is it? Uh, I think it's eight. I think we finished. I forget, but it, it's uh, it always depends on when you left off in Lent. Yeah. So I think we finished on five or six, and so I forget why they why sometimes it seems like you skip a couple. So we're in the eighth week of ordinary time, but we didn't have the eighth Sunday in ordinary time because it was Pentecost, and we won't have the ninth or tenth week in ordinary time because both will be trumped by the. Solemnities of Holy Trinity, Most Holy Trinity, and Corpus Christi. So you kind of can lose track, but if you go to daily Mass and you actually get a day where there's no saint, you would follow the the prayers for the, the week of ordinary time. So yeah, yeah, and and I, I, it's something too that, uh, like, isn't there the kind of oh, what am I trying to think? They're like Marian antiphon that is kind of like. Like, That'll help you to know too if if they sing that yeah. on because we would now be singing if you were following what's properly done you'd sing the Salve Regina during ordinary time mm-hmm. versus the Regina Celi during Easter time so yeah. yeah 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 so like that's just like a little thing that that uh, little indicator yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no it is the Tuesday of the eighth week of ordinary time okay okay so. well so yeah well, welcome to the eighth week of ordinary time yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've waited uh, a long time for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, and it's a it's a big week for our diocese because mm-hmm. we have a bishop now. We have a bishop. Yeah, after a long year and a half, basically. Right. All right. Now it's kind of getting back to used to saying Bishop so and so in the or in the uh, the Eucharistic prayer. So Bishop Daniel. Mm-hmm. Do you? I I think I asked you this early on when we found out his name was Daniel. That, but do you feel a special closest to him now, or you know, uh, I definitely uh, did look up when, <laughs> uh, like, where where I was at mass this weekend when they said Bishop Daniel, and I like just kind of looked up because I was like, I'm not used to, I'm gonna have to get used to hearing that, hearing right? my name, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so because normally it's like really only when there's a reading from the Book of Daniel, and right, then I'll right. kind of be like, oh right, no, it's not me, <laughs> it's not me, it's not my book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, how was how was your experience at the ordination, uh, and then even the the Wednesday night vespers? Service? Yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, the vespers was nice because um, he 
spoke, I mean, he'd give a little homily. So during evening prayer, you can do a homily after the reading if, if you want. Um, so he did that. And it was just nice to hear from him, you know, a little bit um, in person. I was there. So, uh, but he should share a little bit about, you know, coming here. And he uh, he seems to be a kind of guy that, at least initially here, he's he does his homework a little bit and kind of, because he talked about Bishop Barga. He talked about the sisters, the St. Uh, Saint Scholastica Benedictine sisters and the work they did uh, 100 years ago with the pandemic, with the flu influenza. Um, so he t- just talked about a few things um, about coming here. And um, yeah, it was it was nice to hear his sort of excitement and, you know, recognizing, well, I think the phrase, one of the phrases he said was, let's grab onto the wings of the Holy Spirit and see where he's going to take us. We don't know where he's going to take us, but let's see where, he, where he's going to take us. So, you know, I like that, that sort of like openness to say, God's got a plan, let's see where he takes us. Instead of like, I've got a plan. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 to me it strikes right when when there's that docility to what is God trying to do versus what am I trying to do. So that was that was a hopeful thing for me. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I, I watched the ordination. Yeah. On Thursday, and it seemed yeah, it seemed like a really yeah, it was a beautiful beautiful mass mass, and good to good to be there and. I think uh, Father Jim Bissonnette, who was our, was our administrator, kind of breathed a sigh of relief when he sat down <laughs> in the chair. He's like, "Yes, it's done." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, I mean, it's been kind of a long year and a half for a lot of people, but for yeah. him, I was yeah. Like, Man, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's a. <laughs> I'm sure he's happy to be done with that. <laughs> yeah, he can finally just breathe. So, uh, yeah, and it, it was cool too, because, I mean, very rarely in just kind of ordinary everyday church. Do you see two priests yeah. at mass together? Yeah, sure. Um, but to be able to see, you know, I don't know, there's probably close to a hundred priests there. Could have been. I, I don't I don't remember. There was a there's a bunch of deacons, a bunch of priests, a bunch of bishops. So yeah. there was a lot of clergy, one way or the yeah. other. Like, yeah. yeah. And I don't even see how because I was sitting in the very front because they had me help with communion, so I didn't see how many rows we took up. But there's a lot of lot of clergy. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was just good to see mm-hmm. and just kind of like bring some hope and we're just like oh yeah look the church is alive mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah because <laughs> uh, we can just get so caught up in our cause just local church and yeah. what we're used to so right. um yeah that, that was that was really cool to see that yeah and it seems like he's very loved back in green bay so it's good to i mean when somebody's loved it's like okay there's a reason right so. yeah yeah they're not like kicking them out and being like yeah get them out of here so <laughs> <laughs> you take them over there <laughs> yeah so uh, it's probably good to like see a lot of people too. There's probably mm-hmm. people you haven't seen in a while. Or... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw quite a people I have not seen, and and some of them in years, like people I knew from the cathedral, and some others just around the diocese. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I saw that uh, the diocese released a little kind of schedule that they're gonna have uh, Bishop Felton go to. The different deaneries celebrate mass and yeah. celebrate mass. So um, I think ours is two weeks from now or something. Three weeks from now. Yeah, it's June 9th. June 9th, Yeah. So Wednesday, June 9th at uh, the cathedral uh, at five thirty p.m. Nice. So and he's yeah he's gonna go to Cloquet, Virginia, Brainerd, and Hibbing. Um. Yeah, and you know that, that, that was just one of those things that it kind of was just <laughs> like after I saw that I was thinking about I was like man, uh, like. You think 
like of all the roles the bishop has to do. I was like, I, I mean, I don't know if he is extroverted or if he's introverted or <laughs> anything, but that that is a uh like a role is like oh that that'd be a lot of just emotional yeah energy a lot of interacting with people yeah and hopefully the (laughs) early on here it'll all be positive and like welcome and (laughs) yeah nice to meet you and that sort of thing but pretty quickly i'm sure it turns to like having to make decisions that maybe aren't easy to make and not everybody's happy or everybody's got a plan for how things got to go and you have to be the the one who makes the decision one way or the other so yeah, it's not an easy role to fill. I'm, I'm, can only imagine. So, yeah, but you know, he he seems like a holy man, and mm-hmm. I think we're happy to have him. Hopefully, yeah. he's happy to be here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, kind of going on to next thing is anything going on this week? We let's see. Not a lot. I mean, things are kind of wrapped up. We had our confirmation on Sunday down at Holy Family. We had our 20 students get confirmed. We're done with um, uh, RCIA. We had our last class. Faith formation's done. So, yeah, not a lot going on. We have a finance council at Holy Family. We had uh, the ones for up here in St. Joseph a couple weeks ago. So that's always a there's like once once a quarter kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um but yeah, even there, I don't think there's a lot on the agenda. So things are kind of cruising along into summer mode. Uh, so yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, well, yeah, could you open us with a prayer, and then we'll get going into our topic today. Sure. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. We ask you to bless all of our parishioners, all our, um, all the people of the parishes and the community. Um, we thank you for our new bishop. We thank you for the ordinations coming up for the diaconate and the priesthood in the next couple weeks. We pray for those guys. Um, pray for an openness to the Holy Spirit, that we would be guided by the Holy Spirit in preparing uh, and and working to bring the gospel to our local area. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father. Yeah. Uh, well, this week we have a really, uh, I think, I think good topic, uh, which we're talking about. We're talking about sin a Ooh, little bit. Sin. We're talking about uh, just humanity. Humanity, sin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe some hot button topics. Nice. Sounds like a great right thing to do on a ordinary <laughs> Tuesday of ordinary time of the eighth week of ordinary time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so this kind of all came from uh, one of Father Eli's bulletin articles from a couple weeks ago. Um, when my father, you kind of started by talking about uh, the story of the uh, uh, adulterous woman. Yeah, sure. Um, which comes from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of use that to kind of springboard into talking about, like, how do we, and then kind of how I took it, is like, how do we as a, church and kind of as a culture look at sin mm-hmm. and what do we think about sin and how do we kind of react to it yeah. um and then w- like taking like whatever kind of I guess viewpoint we're at like how does that kind of cause us to look at things differently yeah yeah sure yeah no that passage has always struck me um and I've been just 
I typically will be reading through one of the books of the Bible and just spend a little time each day meditating on it. And that happened to be there around the time I wrote that, so probably two weeks ago or something. And um, yeah, just it's such an interesting encounter because Jesus is there. These guys bring this woman who's caught in adultery. They, they say we caught her in the very act of adultery, which it's like, okay, why were you guys watching? Like, what's going on there? But, um, but anyway, they are like intent on like punishing her, like killing her. Basically, we're gonna stone her, um, and they want Jesus to condemn her as well. But Jesus uh, kind of diffuses the situation by saying, you know, he who is without sin be the first one to cast this first stone. And so then they're all kind of like, oh, like we're sinners too. Like it, it kind of brings that home, that home, that point. Where And Jesus is the only one who is without sin. So he could have been the first one to cast a stone, but he didn't choose to do that. Instead, he just kind of confronted those guys, made them think about their own sinfulness, and then, and then spoke to the woman, you know, where are your, where are your accusers? Is it, has no one condemned you? And, and uh, no one, Lord, no one. And so he says to her, um, go and sin no more. So it's interesting because he neither, I think I mentioned this, he neither uh, like chooses to like punish her, but he neither does he just say, it's not a big deal, go and sin again. You know, it's like, go and sin no more. So you've received mercy now because of the mercy you've received go and sin no more. So it's kind of like a, a, a moment of rebirth, renewal, resurrection, whatever you want to say. Um, and that's how Jesus meets us in our sin. You know, It's challenging sometimes in our culture because we don't admit our sins. And because of that, we kind of stagnate the ability of God to forgive us and show us mercy. And I think that's kind of one of the things I wanted to get at in that article is our struggle sometimes is that we don't see our sins or we don't admit our sins and because of that we we miss out on the mercy of god and that's a that's a tragedy that's a that's a sad thing so um sin is sad it's scary to to admit our sins but in doing so we we find freedom and forgiveness and that's that's a beautiful thing so yeah that that passage is really uh it's really interesting cuz even there's some other things going on mm-hmm. in that passage um because, like, right away when they, when they, the Pharisees um, bring this woman and they're kind of, they, they tell them, like, oh, like, she, you know, yeah, we caught her in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, you know, it commanded us to stone such women. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you say? What, what do you say? And kind of, they kind of, like, yeah, tr- 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 try to get him into, like, a point where he feels like he, you know, to... They they're kind try, of just challenging him. They try to put him in a yeah. corner where he's he's got to either be on their side or whatever, and so yeah, or or go against the law where they could kind of mm-hmm. you know try to get him too. Right. Um. And it's just like what Jesus does is just really interesting because he's just, like it just says it says Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I always found that interesting that he. And there's lots of rumor or thoughts on what he might be writing. You know, some people say he might be writing the sins of the Pharisees. Uh, you know, 
he could have just been like doodling like okay yeah. you guys <laughs> don't you have anything better to do um but yeah um it is interesting yeah, and then and you know, then he goes on to say uh let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone and um something that I think I take away from this passage a lot too is how we look at other people's sins, mm. especially when they're very visible sins. Yes. You know, because mo- w- I'd say, I don't, I don't know about most, but a lot of our sins, other people don't, don't know about. Right. Right. Um, unless you're extremely close with somebody and you know, like mm-hmm. everything about their lives. Yeah. For the most part, we don't know what other people's sins are. Right. 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 Um, but there's some people that you can tell very, you know, and it's, whether it's, you know, kind of become public just through like, you know, celebrities and media and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just everything with social media and just the way that um, things can go viral and mm-hmm. yeah. even with just within communities. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, gossip, of course, or something. Right. But, right. Uh, but yeah, the, it is interesting how we, we sometimes know. get so fixated on other people's sins, the public ones, but we, we don't even blink an eye about our own or the things that are done in private it's like oh those don't matter <laughs> yeah 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 and just j- just the way that we can kind of just deal deal with that and and kind of thinking about this i i think that there's this is maybe something that people struggle with when it comes to the church especially people outside of the church mm, yeah. you know um and what we you know probably get into this a little bit more too but just seeing like um, oh, well, you say I can't do this, but then there's, you know, scandals in the church or something like that. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and and there's something uh, like I can definitely see how the church can come across as like a holier than thou. Yeah. Um, whether it's specific people within the church or, or hypocritical. Yeah. Or, yeah, just, you know, people being hypocrites, which is kind of human nature. Yeah. We can't, <laughs> we can't help it to some degree. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that, you know, there's just there's an aspect of that. I think people can struggle with, mm-hmm. um, uh, but then Jesus mo- really models the way that we should be able to, uh, or kind of the right way to be able to, to, to deal with that, yeah. which, which kind of, like, as you said, doesn't, um, say like, oh, it's no, you know, no big deal. Um, you know, he, he, he does kind of, he, you know, he does say like, go and sin no more kind of acknowledging that like yeah this is a sin and this is bad and it's not leading you to a good place mm-hmm. um but i'm not going to i'm not condemning you like yeah. like these people wanted to stone you i'm not going to do that right, right. So. and i think so often that's the case with public sins you see somebody who's kind of beaten down by that experience or they feel so rejected or so ashamed or so um, even sometimes they have sometimes they have self hatred or whatever. Like you see that in people, and so every every encounter with a sinner is different. And sometimes people need to be shown their sin because they're not seeing it. And other times, like this case, it's like no, this person has suffered enough. They need to they need to be built up and and encouraged and helped to know that they're still loved and they're still lovable and. That God sees them as his son or daughter, and so, um, it. I mean, that's one of the ministries of the confessional that not everybody sees, but it's, um, it's a very humbling thing to 
to walk with people in their sin because a lot of times things are hidden, but there's still a lot of shame or a lot of guilt or a lot of frustration or whatever. Like, why do I keep struggling with this thing or whatever? So, but our world often tells us these things aren't sin or these aren't bad things or just do what you want. And so it's this kind of challenge. Like you said, I think there's this secular world that looks at the church and says, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You can't, like these priests, these whatever, they, they're sin, but it's looking at the, the thing wrong. I mean, our sins are what keep us from being happy, from being fulfilled, from being truly who we are. And so when we point out sin or talk about sin as the church, it's not to condemn, not to not to um, get people upset or, or tell them that they're bad people. It's, we want you to be free. We don't want you to be stuck in these sins. Um, but I think so often, I mean, you think about some of the things, there's some things that are like still obvious to the world that are sins, and then there are some things that the world says, ah, this is not a sin. Like the whole, um, all the sexual immoralities that we're seeing in our, in our world, most most of those, the world says, ah, it's not a big deal, like, do what you want. And yet, that's such a source of sorrow in our culture, like the the destruction of the the family, the destruction of marriage, the destruction of um, relationships, and and yet the culture doesn't it it just says ah do what you want you know and so it's interesting like on the one hand they point to the church and say you guys are bad for telling us these things are bad but they also have this blindness to like the effect of these things and I think until the world until we as a culture can can see the effects of these things, we're just going to keep doing them. And the church is kind of sitting here on the side going, hey, connect the dots. See what what is happening here. And um, So there's that side of it where you want to help people be, be free. And then there's the healing side of it where you want to help people um, be forgiven and be able to, to let go of their sin. And so it's either I'm blind to my sin and I don't want to confront it or... I'm crushed by my sin and I can't face it or I can't let go of it or whatever. And so it's kind of like there's these two aspects that are related, but, and, you know, that's the challenge sometimes, I think, is who are you speaking to and how do you speak to everybody because not everybody's in the same place. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, that kind of healing aspect too, I think a lot of, like a lot of times, just when it comes to forgiveness, like when people don't, not that people people don't want to be forgiven, but kind of when you're you were talking about this, but like, am I even worthy of forgiveness or something like right. that? You know, and I right. think we can like because either you have to face that, or you can say, oh well, then maybe it's just not that big of a deal, yeah. and then I don't have to feel this weight. Right, and that's sometimes how people deal with it. Is you know, that's often when people have screwed up in a big way. I would say the area of sexual morality is a way that many people screw up in a big way or they would feel that that's a big weight on them. Sometimes they go the route of saying, I can't deal with the fact that this is such a serious thing or it's affected me so much. So now I'm going to play the game that this is not a bad thing or this is not as bad as the, as the church says. And so they kind of lie to themselves or allow the, the culture to, to lie to them and they sort of embrace that this is not a big deal, this is not a problem, I don't need forgiveness, I don't need God's mercy, 
And so they reject all that, but by doing that, they kind of, they don't fix the problem, right? They just perpetuate it and maybe even make themselves more, um, well, they do by, by not seeking forgiveness. They place themselves in a more dangerous position of continuing to fall into that. And we see that in our culture, unfortunately, very, very clearly. But Yeah, and well, what do you think about the, the kind of the different maybe like narratives? I, I mean, maybe, maybe narrative is like a buzzword in today's culture. <laughs> but, but, but when it comes to just sin and how we see our own sin, I feel like there's two really big narratives, which is kind of like Satan's narrative and then like God's narrative. Like how do we see these things? Mm-hmm. Because when we like whenever we screw up or, or even just experience brokenness, whether it's maybe our own sin or like the sin of a loved one or something like that, um, like you can have kind of Satan's narrative that kind of talks about like, oh, like either this isn't that big of a deal or um, like you should be ashamed yeah, and really like drives home that like yeah. the, the, the sin is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Um, when like in God's narrative, it's like obviously the sin is an issue, right? but he wants just to love us and to mm-hmm. like have, bring, bring the healing and forgiveness. Um, whereas like the sin, like he doesn't really care about the sin to a certain extent. Like right. he, like right. he, he hates it, but right. he doesn't his like focus hate is you. The, his focus is yeah. the person. Yeah. Where it, it like you say, uh, Satan's focus is often the sin. Like he will try to make it seem like not a big deal before you do it. And like, ah, it's not a, not a problem. Like, or it's going to bring you a lot of joy or pleasure or whatever, or you're never going to get caught or whatever. And then as soon as you do that thing, whatever it is, then he plays the shame card or the embarrassment card or the whatever card and, and tries to make you feel like you're the worst person ever and you can never be forgiven. And so I think that it, like he is very sin-focused, whereas, like you say, God is more person-focused, like the sin is there and needs to be forgiven, but I love you. You're my child, and um, yeah, and we can we can get caught up in the narrative of Satan, even for loved ones. I, I see this a lot with parents who struggle with their children who are could be they're living together, could be they're struggling with the same sex attraction. I mean, I'm sure I don't know a lot of parents with children who who are struggling with um, um, you know the the gender stuff, but there's I'm sure that's a thing too. Where, you know, the parent is kind of feeling like, oh, I want to love my child, and I feel like to love my child, I have to accept their sin, and that's the the narrative of Satan in a sense too. Like, you know, uh, it's it's loving to just accept this person as they are, and and not expect greater things or want greater things for them, and freedom in front of these sins or these temptations or whatever. So. Yeah, it is interesting how our culture kind of twists the the narrative around, and we we lose sight of what's really the loving thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you you wrote this um, that like there are a lot of difficult choices like to make when we are confronted by our sinfulness, mm-hmm. um, and we, we we were talking about that a little bit. I'm just like, okay, well, we can either like just reject the fact that it is sin um or i mean or else you know you have to really kind of deal and kind of weather the storm that is like the the battle the the, the, the lies from satan Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so like there i mean 
there's a whole there's a lot of different factors and it's a it, it can be a struggle and that's kind of part of just being human right right um but uh But yeah, ju- ju- like just the fact that like Jesus is merciful and he he offers us that mercy, yeah. Uh, that you know is sometimes hard, like hard to see. Yeah, yeah. We a lot of times we want to fix ourselves or be worthy enough to come before Jesus and like say like mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I fix myself. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So you can love me now instead of saying I need help. You are the way. You're the one that can fix me. I surrender to your mercy. You're right. Instead of just so often, you can almost sometimes even hear it in the penitent's voice, like if they have something that they're really like sorry about or shameful about or whatever, they'll often try to like couch it in the best terms possible so that it doesn't look so bad. And it's like, I mean, I don't try. I try not to point that out or ever ever make a note of that. But you can almost see like they're. It's like, don't you trust in God's mercy? Like He doesn't care what the thing is. It can be whatever it is. But if you come to the Lord with sincere desire to be forgiven like it doesn't matter what it is like god's mercy is bigger than that thing and so often we kind of want to say like yes i'm ready to acknowledge my sin now that i've come to the point where i've overcome it or i've i've you know worked on it or whatever and mm-hmm. and um it's like yeah which i totally understand that because i feel like that was me a lot oh i've done it too especially especially (laughs) and at least for me it was something that with the kind of like american dream fix yourself like Mm -hmm. become whatever you Mm -hmm. want like like you can do you can do anything you want right um like yourself i feel like that was something that was kind of interesting ingrained in me through like that idea yeah of just like oh well if i just put the right um the right like the right habits in place and do this like self development and stuff that I'll be able to like fix myself and then I then I'll be like worthy for God, right. which is just so funny because like that's become one of like Satan's narratives again, but then like Jesus never says anything close to that and he he like he says in the Gospels like I like like there is was it right after he um like gives the beatitudes or. Like he has, you know, he's doing all this, these preaching, he's kind of building up a community and then he just gets up and leaves the next day. And then they're kind of like, where are you going? He's like, I need to, like, I've come for, for, for the lost and like, this isn't like my job, you yeah, know? And yeah. like he talks about all the time that like, I've come for the lost. Right. right. <laughs> and the, 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 uh, yeah. those who are sick are in need of help. Those who are not sick do not basically. Yeah. 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 So he, he makes it clear, like if we're sick, if we admit our sickness, there's something he can do for us. If we're sitting there going, I love you, Jesus, but I don't need your help. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, look at how good I am. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really good. <laughs> I mean, and we, we, you sort of hear that in people where they'll say, I just want to be a good person. Uh, or he was a good person. She was a good person. They're a good person. Like we're all about being good people. But what does that really mean? Like in the end, it's like it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. It just means do you? It just matters. Do you accept Jesus's life in you? Do you accept His mercy? Do you accept that He's your Lord and your Savior? And do you um, follow Him by your deeds and by your by your life? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And this good person thing—I don't know where we got that from—but it's like being a good person 
what does that mean? Like it could it could mean that you're a disciple, um, but just doing good things for other people isn't um, isn't a way to be forgiven of your sins. You know, sometimes we we th- I mean, there is the passage where it says um, charity or or alms towards others will cover a multitude of sins and that sort of thing. So there is that idea that our deeds can, in a sense move us to that place of being open to God's mercy, but um, in the end, like, we cannot save ourselves. We're not Pelagianists. Um, the church has rejected that path of trying to say we can save ourselves, and so it is It is hard. And in, in a world that is all about self-help and self-development and self-reflection um, and all this, we often get caught up in this idea that we can, we can save ourselves or we need to save ourselves or... Um, you know, we should find our self-worth and what we do, all these things, and it's none of that is Christian. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's a, <laughs> I've heard this before, but, you know, it's a good thing that we're not in charge of our own salvation Yeah. because God's way more merciful than we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, we, we want to prove ourselves often. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, kind of as we wrap up um, and uh, looking from this, like from, like from this passage of the adulterous woman and, uh, and I think just seeing how like gentle that Jesus is with her and uh, just kind of like reflecting about that and like in our own lives, like if we like go through that and place ourselves mm-hmm you know, in her place. Yeah. Um, What's your worst sin, your worst nightmare, yeah. a sin you could commit, stand before Jesus and know of his mercy, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think even just kind of like, just even thinking about that is powerful. Um, so being able to like, kind of like pray with that, use that as, uh, yeah, just kind of uh, something to, to, to just use as like an exercise and just like, pray with um and then be able to like bring that to whether it's just to confession or just to be able to you know share with those around us i think is is is, is pretty powerful so right. yeah um great well yeah do you have any uh any closing thoughts any final thoughts i just uh i guess we kind of talked about it a lot already but just to kind of hit home with the point of you know if you if you have any kind of sin, anything out there, anybody that's out there that has something that they're ashamed of or regret or whatever, like you got to bring it to the Lord. That's the only place that's ever going to get healed. The only place you're ever going to get able to to let it go. Um, we can't hold on to these things and expect them to go away or to be healed. It's only when we bring it to the healer. Um, so really important that we receive God's mercy and that we we face our sins in this in the sense. I think sometimes it takes people a long time to face their sins, whether it's because of shame or they've forgotten about it to some degree because they've buried it out of whatever reason. Um, but we need to we need to confront our sins and bring them before the Lord for his healing. And until we do that, uh, as a culture, as individuals, if we just try to say that these things are not sin or they're not bad, we're we're reaping the the benefit or the the benefits the effects of that, 
And um, so in some sense, there's a lot of hope, but the hope relies on the fact that we come to the Lord. If we don't come to the Lord, we're stuck. So yeah, just encourage anybody who's out there who's struggling or knows someone who's struggling, encourage them to come to the Lord, come to the Lord, seek his mercy, seek his forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation, in prayer, um, maybe revisit this passage, John chapter 8, and just receive God's mercy. Yeah, and so I, as you were saying that, something else kind of came to me. And just this idea that for the, the adulterous woman, what was probably the worst day of her life turned into probably probably like the best day of her life just because like Jesus entered into it. Right, right. And I think we think about that with our sin all the time. It was like, I didn't need to keep it in because if this comes out, I'm it's the end or something like that, right, you know? Right. But then, like, Jesus was able to, like, come into that and, like, bring that healing and actually, like, change your life. Yeah, and sometimes so. sometimes our sins are the door by which God enters our hearts because we've, we've kept them out in all other aspects of our mm-hmm. life, and that's the place he comes in. So in that, there's a mercy sometimes even in our sin, no happy fault sort of thing, so. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, so that, um, you know, that's going to do it. Um, for for today and uh, for today's episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a, rest, re- a great rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time.